Hello everyone and welcome to Chapter Brothers. My name is Nick Ackerman. And my name is Kevin Ackerman. Cool. And we're going to continue on today um, with uh, the drawing of the three. We've been doing the Dark Tower series and we're going to start Chapter 2, which is entitled Eddie Dean. Eddie hmm. Dean. Who is this Eddie Dean? I don't know. I've been wondering for the past week. <laughs> but then I read and now I sort of know who he is, but... I'm sure character developments will occur. Precisely, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're starting off kind of like baseline Eddie Dean before he meets Roland. So let's, uh, well, let's uh, dive right in and uh, meet uh, the gunslinger's second companion. Yeah. Oh. After Jake, of uh, course. Before, before we dive right in, uh, Kevin, it's time for the Stephen King trivia. Dun, da, da, da. Ba, da, ba. <laughs> so this is one I forgot. All right. All right. I, I kind of moved on after the stand, and I forgot a book after Ooh. I moved to um, uh, the Dead Zone. Um, mm -hmm. uh, well, because it's a collection of short stories. Ooh. Okay. What? So I'm gonna say this is Skeleton Crew. No. No. Damn it! Night Shift. <laughs> Night Shift. Yes. Okay. Night Shift I, is the I name of it. I always get confused <laughs> which is the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't know about this. I was like, oh crap! I I forgot the short stories, and which are Kevin, some of Stephen oh King's best writing. Oh my god, I love Stephen oh, King's short so stories. So good. I love short stories so much. And like, mm. so we might have to take some time on this one because a lot of these short stories became novels. Exactly. Yeah. That, that I'm looking at, like, or, or well, you know, from what I know, sort of, of Stephen spun King. off into novels. I would say, yeah. Okay. Like, uh, for example, this uh, one... Uh, go ahead. Th that's the next question. And sure. the last question for today is uh, w which... So, there's 20 in here. Are, there are, are more than that? There's a whole uh, bunch of short stories. I, I gotta get this book. It's great. Oh, it's good, yeah. It's not my favorite <laughs> of the, the short stories, but it's very indicative of early Stephen King, I would say. And also very indicative mm -hmm. of, like, his uh, teenage and college year experience, because I think there's one story where there's a... Uh, I think uh, it's called like uh, the Mangler yeah, or something, and basically it's about his experiences when he was uh, working in the laundry at college, and there was like basically this like mechanical thing that uh, dried the clues. That's I'm th pretty sure the Mangler is like what uh, some guy gets like trapped in there or something or whatever. But <laughs> I might be wrong. So, I might so be wrong. I'm, re I'm reading the synopsis. So I, I've I found a list. It was the, the top 20 uh, short stories in Night Shift. Are mm. there only 20 or is, the, is there more than 20? Now, now well, let me I'm look curious this of up. that. One of our uh, just so you know, parts on of the show, looking it up on the fly. <laughs> hey, why not? Uh, but on this particular list, the Mangler is number 13. Uh -huh. so. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Mm. It's all right. Uh, I mean, see. every every list is subjective, so whatever. Very, very Each true. their own. <laughs> uh, let's see. Night Shift, Stephen King. See, the, the copy of Night Shift that I had, uh, it was like, what was it? Basically, it, the front cover had like a bunch of little like cutouts with eyes showing through. And then when you open that book, Wait, you realize hands? it's a hand. Yeah, exactly. But it was yeah, slightly, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, but it was like slightly like <laughs> offset incorrectly, so the eyes were a little bit off from where like the holes were. So uh, it was a little bit of a. Just like wait, something is going wrong here. Yeah, <laughs> old and uncanny valley. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes. Okay. So um, uh, let me give your your question uh, the proper respect it deserves. Go ahead and ask. 
Okay, okay, so you said one, the Mangler. Mangler, sure. Oh, were you just going to ask yeah. how many I could name offhand? How many can you name without looking? Oh, did you already look it up? Uh, I opened the I opened the page, but I didn't see any that I didn't know ahead of time. So I'm gonna just okay. so yeah. you, you knew the news. You knew the ones you knew, and yeah. Now so all right, going. so I'm just gonna go. I close the page, so I'm not looking at it. Uh, okay, so we've got the Mangler. <laughs> we've got Jerusalem's Lot. We've got yes. Twitter's Incorporated. Uh, uh-huh. There's one about a guy who's standing on like a rooftop edge. Is it like the the ledge or the drop or something like that? Uh, I forget what it's called. Oh, let's see. How many other ones can I name? Uh, and the the problem is I can remember what they're about, but I can't really remember the titles. Uh, I know there's one about really huge rats. Um, <laughs> let's see. That's so great because I I don't know the answer actually, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at a list right here, Fair and enough. I'm like this. Oh, oh, it's just called the ledge. The ledge. Okay, so I was right. Yeah. So all that's, right. That's uh, number- it's number eight. That's number Ooh. eight on the list. Nice. Uh, the ones that you had mentioned also, I'm sorry, um, Jerusalem's Lot was number 20 on this particular list. Interesting. But, I would have yeah. put that one higher. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's one of the ones 13. that... Uh, yeah. What else did you say? The Mangler, little... Jerusalem's Lot, Quitters Incorporated, which is about putting smoking oh, through so basically threatening your family. In- <laughs> Oh boy, Quitters Incorporated is is number four, right? On this list, uh, the ledge. And oh, you haven't said one, two, and three. Hmm. Which which are all things that I actually know. Oh, I think. No, no, no. Actually, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing, Nick. You know nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, but <laughs> let's see. Yeah, I think that's all the ones I can name off the top of my head. Those five. Do, do you want me just to... I, I'm going to rattle yeah, off the ahead, list. Rattle, because rattle why, off the list, why not? Yeah. All right, so, so number 20 was Jerusalem's Lot. Mm. 19 is Strawberry Spring. Oh. 18 is The Man Who Loved Flowers. Mm. 17, I Know What You Need. 16, Trucks. Just called Trucks. I don't know. See, as, as a non-Stephen King reader, I'm like, what? what's that story about? Maybe I should read it. You know, he's, he's so good at like <laughs> drawing you in. <laughs> Fifteen. I am the doorway, which Ooh. is uh, going to be very uh, prevalent for what we're talking about today. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fourteen. The last rung on the ladder. Mm-hmm. Thirteen is the mangler, mm-hmm. which sounds awesome. <laughs> You're like, I like that one. <laughs> I like talking to people about books and being like. You know, oh, this one really like grabbed me, and it was a good story. I was like, "Cool, then I'll read it." Nice. I trust you. Mm. <laughs> uh, number twelve is Graveyard Shift. I think that's where it gets the the name of the I thing from. I think so. It's yeah, I think Night Shift. I think that's the one about the giant rats. Yeah. Uh, sorry, folks. I'll just read the synopsis of this. One of King's more gross-out horror tales. This story focuses on the discovery of strange mutated animals deep in the moldy depths of an old textile mill. Yeah, I'll just stop there. But yeah. yes, you're right. Giant rats. Giant uh, rats. R-O-U-S's. Rudeness of unusual <laughs> size, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this came out in 78, right? Uh, yeah. The Year of Pete? Correct. Yeah. February. A lot yeah, of these so, things came out later. So he was a newborn baby in February '78 when this was on the shelves. Yeah. All right. So, so this short story has a movie made after it. This is one I actually recognize, uh, um, and I think it uses uh, like the very beginnings of 
computer-generated images. Do you know mm. what movie I'm talking about? Uh, the Lawnmower Man? Yes, that's mm. precisely what it is. Yeah, that, <laughs> Good that, job, Kevin. Yeah, that's one of those adaptations that's a title-only adaptation. Like, the entire <laughs> plot of the movie Lawnmower Man has absolutely nothing to do with... Uh, other oh, really? Than, other than the fact that this guy drove a lawnmower, and then from there, the, <laughs> the two stories are entirely dissimilar, yeah. And the, they went off. So, oh, wow, okay, cool. I, I gotta read that one, because oh, yeah. I only... I don't, I don't even know the movie. I just... All I know about the movie is, like, it looks like Max Hedrum or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which another bringing it back full circle, Max Hedrum played uh, the trash can man in uh, one of the adaptations of The Stand. Oh, really? Yeah, he'd be a good one. And he was also in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes, so indeed, Matt Fruer. Bring it back. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, eleven was Lumber Romero. Let's let's finish this so we can sure. move on. Number ten was Sometimes They Come Back. Mm-hmm. Um, number nine, The Woman in the Room. Number eight, The Ledge, which you mentioned. Right. Um, number seven, Gray Matter. Okay. Number six is Battlegrounds. Are you remembering these as I'm saying them? Like, uh, I feel like I entirely disagree with this ordering system because I feel like oh, the, one, okay. the ones that were at like the, the upper levels were the ones that I remember. But then as we're getting down to like uh, the, like the sub 10 of this list, I'm like, don't remember... Yeah, I don't remember what uh, the what was the yeah, one you just said. Something about a mother, uh, the woman in the room. I don't remember uh, that. One. <laughs> uh, the woman in the room. Uh, King is rather underrated when it comes to emotional elements in his work. Sure, mm-hmm. his stories may be scary, but what keeps fans coming back is his gift for characters that you care about or those you love to hate. In this case, we see a harrowing account of a man visiting his mother in the hospital, oh. included as the final story in the collection. Do, do you remember now? Well, I mean, I even just my my description, I mentioned something <laughs> about a mother, and but it's called the woman in the room, so well, it's something in my subconscious might, must have held on to the mother part. Yeah, because I didn't remember oh, yet. Oh boy, woman in oh, the room. Interesting. Uh, do, do you remember visiting mom in the hospital? Oh, oh yeah, so, so many times. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't know what that story's about, but like, I feel I like it's feeling probably his story is more like. Yeah. Or, or is it the exact opposite? Like that, the woman in the room is like, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I want to read it now. True, I forget. <laughs> Stephen now. King, you got me again. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, this is not. Uh, <laughs> this does not, not like mom. bear much similarity to us thinking. visiting mom. Yeah. yeah. As I'm looking back well, on it, I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's was my feeling that yeah. Stephen King uh, probably his experiences or what he wants to convey to people. It's like, Oh, I'm going to take something and then subvert it. Like, it's like, Oh, obviously visiting your mom in the hospital would be a sad thing. Like it was, or <laughs> we can make it a whole like existential thing where it's your mom giving you crap and like telling you you're terrible or something at life before she dies or something. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is one of those examples of Stephen King sort of writing out his worst impulses just to see them through and like sort of that uh, that philosophical experiment. Um, what is it? Uh, ad, ad, uh, what is that thing called? Basically, when you see out an idea up until its most ridiculous end, um, there's a term for it. Uh mm. Yeah, but I, I forget what it's called. But basically, it's you, you you sort of like explain out an idea to its most absurd extreme, uh, and, and then you then realize, you realize that, why it's a bad yeah. idea, basically, or just yeah. 
you know, something like that. But then, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know the name of it either, um, but I, I know the idea that you're talking about. Right. Uh, mm, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I wish okay. I was smarter at this moment. I wish well, I was I smarter mean, all the time. Uh, <laughs> just a matter of, you know, memory retention, not uh, intelligence. The two <laughs> yeah, separate things. Much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can you retain this? Liz says that all the time, like, when we're at trivia, um, like, a question will happen. I'll look at her, and she goes... Just give me a minute. So, like, in her brain, and this is how she explains it. (laughs) All right. You ever seen Ghostbusters? Of course you have. Of course. Uh, (laughs) There's a part of Ghostbusters where there's a a librarian looking Mm -hmm. through the the card catalog. And that's what she goes to in her brain. She's like, okay, librarian time. Here we go. And, and like, she she sifts through the card catalog of her brain. And, like, I watch her do it, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like... And I look at like the people on our team. I'm like, she's going to get this. So <laughs> just give her a second. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I, I don't think we're coming up with that one. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Uh, so anyway, moving on. Uh, so eight was the ledge. Seven gray matter. Six battleground. Five one for the road. Four is quitters Inc. Three is night surf on this hmm. list. And then two is a movie that I actually recognize. Uh, I'm going to say children of the corn. Children of the Corn. Yeah. I'm sure we'll come back to that as we uh, keep going through the Stephen King trivia. So number one on this list. Mm-hmm. Any guesses? Uh, uh, let's see. Just based on... The... <laughs> I've said all of them except one, so... Uh, is it the Boogeyman? It is the Boogeyman hmm. on this list. Yeah. And... The Boogeyman is a short story that shakes you to the core. That's mm. that's the first sentence in this thing. I was like, oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to give any more description. Like, yeah, I would Check agree. it out. Mm. I feel like whenever I do these Stephen King trivias, it feels like that part on Reading Rainbow, where mm. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> don't take my word for it. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Yeah. <laughs> LeVar Burton at his best. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, kids at their best. That whole thing was just kids. Also true. And like LeVar Burton would be like, and I bet LeVar Burton didn't even meet those kids in a lot of Yeah, they, I cases. feel like he was just in a studio like and they were shooting all the kids on, on location wherever. Studios. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. And I was like, oh, these kids are cool and like reading is fun. Yeah, hey. exactly. Or, or well, we're, we're geeks, but reading is fun and it's it good, really it's good is, to know yes. things. I mean, obviously, the both of us were PBS kids, so. Uh, we've spent so much time watching Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and reading Rainbow uh, and whatnot. Rogers. Yeah. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. He was on, also uh, on, PBS on PBS too. Yeah. Ah, uh, the Joy of Painting is the name exactly. of the show. The Four Horsemen of Wholesomeness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the Mount Rushmore of, of wholesomeness. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, as we've already said, Mount Rushmore is a, a desecration of the, the Twelve Grandfathers. Uh, yes. I, I, I knew you were going to say that. You got it. You got it. I was like, oh, darn it. We need to like acknowledge that every time. It's like, oh, yeah. Let's not. Let's just say like the four best people at exactly. something or whatever. Yeah. Or why does why do we need to rank anything? True. You know, that's well, what makes I mean, me look at. Hmm. Let's see. Well, I, mm. let me just uh, one, you know, thought, train of thought at a time and let them all come into the station. Uh, so when, when I was thinking <laughs> of the, the four horsemen of wholesomeness, I would probably say Bob Ross, uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, LeVar Burton and Bill Nye, the science guy. 
cool. Jim yeah. Henson's not on that list. I feel like I wanted to keep it uh, strictly to the PBS uh, viewers. Okay. At least I'm pretty sure Bill uh, Nye was on PBS. I'm not sure now. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember been. too. Was Bill Nye on PBS? I, I mean, I love Bill Nye. I'm a science teacher. He's of like course. my favorite guy. We, we have a signed photo from him. I was like, holy crap, this is a Bill Nye. Sorry, my ring just hit the chair. Uh, <laughs> it's a stain on uh, that. <laughs> but uh, oh, maybe we want to sing. But anyway, yeah, we had a Bill Nye signed uh, photo, and mm. absolutely, uh, uh, Mr. Wizard. Nice. <laughs> I don't. I never watched that one. Mm. Uh, I remember it, but it wasn't. I don't think it was on PBS because we didn't have cable growing up, Kevin. True. Yeah. Oh, oh, you, oh you did. Well, I mean, I think we got cable in like 99 or 2000, uh, so I would have been like 13 or 14 years old. I think it was so, right when I went to college. Yeah. Oh, basically. Nick moved out. We'll get cable now. Like, oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Cool. I, I would have liked to watch m- music videos, too, like because mm-hmm. I don't get any references that anybody says. I'm like, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah sure. The first, the first year, for some reason, I don't know if it was some sort of like a deal dad got or whatever, but we got uh, channels 60 and 61, which were paid for you pay-per-view for free so there was a lot of uh like the year 2000 uh, movies that we have uh dennis and i have very strong memories of there was that, uh, that in cre- the year 2000 nice <laughs> in the year 2000 <laughs> i don't know if i hit the note i'm, I'm sure i didn't it was close enough but yes confirmed bill nye the science guy bill nye the science guy did air on pbs kids Okay, it was PBS Kids, which is different. Oh, That's a cable network. Well, no, I think PBS because uh, Channel Thirteen. Yeah, it, it originally Channel aired 13 from for us, nineteen ninety three to nineteen ninety eight. So that definitely would have been before PBS Kids, the cable network. Okay. Yeah. Why are we still talking about this? Um, I, the two of us go on tangents that always <laughs> go skew wildly off the main topic. That's just our thing. We're here, and then we're, we're there. We're having you fun. You never know yeah. where we're going to be. <laughs> exactly. Point being, um, but, Night oh, Shift, we, we 1978. Night, night Shift, 1978. All right. So we're still not up to when this book came out, which was 1980 what? 87, I want to say? No, it says 87. This is after mm. you were born. Correct, okay. yes. That's, that actually is important in, in a minute. Okay. <sighs> All, All right. right. Can I... Can I re- can I read? Yeah, go for it. Or do you want to read? Uh, no, yeah, go ahead. You can uh, read the first segment. Sure. Uh, I'll just do the first paragraph. How about that? And then we'll, we'll go from there. We can skip some things from here and there. Of course, we're going to have to. Um, <clears throat> chapter 2, Eddie Dean. 1. As if to confirm this idea, mad, mad as it was... What the gunslinger was looking at through the doorway suddenly rose and slid sidewards. The view turned. Their feeling of vertigo. That feeling of vertigo again. A feeling it standing still on a plate with wheels under it. A plate which hands he could not see moved this way and that. And then the aisle was flowing past the edges of the doorway. He passed a place where several women, all dressed in the same red uniform, stood. This was a place of steel things, and he would have liked to make the moving view stop in spite of his pain and exhaustion, so he could see what the steel things were. Machines of some sort. One looked a bit like an oven. 
The army woman he had already seen was pouring the gin which the voice had requested. The bottle she poured from was very small. It was glass. The vessel she was pouring it into looked like glass, but the gunslinger didn't think it actually was. Um, what the doorway showed had moved along before. He could see more. There was another of those dizzying turns, and he was looking at a metal door. There was a lighted sign and a small oblong. This word the gunslinger could read. Vacant, it said. That That's where I'll stop. Mm. Uh, um, so, yeah. once again... Uh, go ahead, Kevin. No, I was just going to say, I feel like this definitely cements the uh, idea that A, Eddie is in a plane, and B... Well, the person is in a plane. I mean, we, the chapter title is Eddie Dean, so we're kind of assuming yeah. the, the the guy that Roland is viewing the world through is Eddie Dean's eyes. But definitely, yeah. in a, it's I just I, I love that uh, he holds on to the convention that Roland has no I, no context for what he's seeing. So he's yes. just describing it in like, okay, so these army women in red uniforms and these steel devices and. Uh, that he can't quite identify and looks a bit like an oven and pouring something into a vessel that looks like glass, but he's pretty sure it isn't. And it's just, yeah. it's so interesting when the audience knows so much more than the character. So it is uh, a form of irony, I would say. And, and Oh, <laughs> that was what I meant to look up and I didn't. Oh, what's that? Hmm. Which, um, at the time, they were called stewardesses. And this is a, Correct. a different time. Um, um but which airline had all red uniforms? Ooh, good question. Yeah. Uh, um, meant to look this up. Shoot. Let's see if I can find it. I think it's going to be like um, one of the famous ones from the TWA or something. Or uh, uh, Interesting. Apparently it was Virgin Airlines. Oh, Virgin. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That was uh, Ted Turner, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, no. Or is that... Uh, who's the British guy? Uh, Branson? Uh, Branson. That, yeah, that guy. That's that's what I meant to say. Except, mm. I, except I said the wrong thing first. <laughs> the, other, the other rich guy. <laughs> other one. All right. So, yeah, the, so anyway, I feel like that would kind of make sense anyway. It, it, okay. So I want to talk about the theme of this episode a little bit. Go for it. <laughs> and it's a silly theme. Um, have you okay, ever seen? We the, love being the, silly. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Being John Malkovich? Yes, that's what this makes me feel this whole time. I could see that. You know, it's yeah. like what's going on? Why am? And, and I think that's what uh, the, the maker of that movie was thinking. Uh, do you know who the director? Yeah. The, the director of that movie was. Was it Spike Jones? I want yes. to say. Yes, you're 100 percent correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's when I went down a wiki hole. Um, well, first, first of all, do you know who Spike Jones is married to? Oh, I do not. Uh, Sophia Coppola. I was oh, like, really? Oh, really? Huh. That's a fun little factoid that I didn't Seriously, know. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's definitely going to be some uh, like. Uh, I don't know if they have kids or not, but that is some concentrated uh, movie maker DNA right there. Heck yeah. Uh, not sure. only her, but also her father and uh, Spike Jones. Yeah, yeah. So Spike Jones—that's his like stage name or whatever. I think it's Spielman yeah. or something like Arthur Spielman, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, anyway, um, so but then I was like, then it made me think of uh, the band song "Up on Cripple Creek." 
because uh, mm. there's a, there's a lyric in there. It goes, and we had Spike Jones on the box. I can't stand the way he sings, but I love to hear him talk. And I was like, wait mm. a minute, time out. This can't be the same Spike Jones. Like that's why he picked that stage name. So so then I looked up the actual Spike Jones. Um, <laughs> he's like a. a you know, uh, like a band leader kind of guy. Like it was all black yeah. and white stuff, and like, and then, then I started listening. I'm like, wow, I, I love this guy. This guy's fun, you know. So <laughs> yeah, he and, definitely anyway. seems to have that. Yeah, it looks like uh, let's say he specialized in spoof arrangements of popular songs. So mm-hmm. sort of like the Weird Al of his day. Yes, yes, precisely. But with a whole band behind him, like trumpets, and like oh, at one point he shoots a trumpet player because he didn't like how, but not actually shoot. Him. I was like, <laughs> jokingly, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I need to look up more Spike Jones. Anyway, mm-hmm. we went on a crazy tangent for any reason. Um, <laughs> Still, Eddie Dean, he's looking That's the at point. that. That's uh, the point. It feels like being John, Mal- John, being yes, John Malkovich, being John Malkovich. Where, where, where you come into a person's body and you're like being them. You know, mm. and then that's what this feels like. And, and it's very strange. And also exactly. like inappropriate. You know? Interesting. Sort of like in a voyeuristic kind of way. Yes. Like that you're controlling mm. this person. Okay. Anyway, let's get into it. Yeah, it um, does seem yeah, it seems to follow about the same rules as the movie being John Malkovich, where first you kind of see through the person's eyes, but you also can exert a certain some measure of control as well. Mm-hmm. Except I think in I, I well, don't know I what's mean, gonna we'll, happen. Yeah, let's keep going. Yeah, let's just keep going. So anyway, uh, Eddie Dean needs to go to the bathroom, and he he, he realizes that uh, uh, he he's on a plane. But but also, it says the gunslinger a couple times here. Uh, uh, like do do do. Well, Kevin, do you want to? I don't know. Should, should we not read everything? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this whole first section is basically Roland is standing on the beach. He's looking at the door and he's kind of seeing everything. But uh, And I think he can. Yeah, he could hear, too. But all he's getting is visual and sound information. So as okay. he's looking through, he kind of like uh, one thing that I wanted to notice to pay attention to. He could see like. Basically, he's just seeing through Eddie's eyes, and so he's picking up as much information as he can, as as we stated in the last section where Court was telling him, you know, you don't see everything that you see, so mm. if you only see, you know, a certain percentage, then I'll have done my job. So Roland mm. is like, okay, I'm going to pay as much attention as I possibly can. So he sees the, the what is it, the stewardesses who are standing off to the side, sees the metal uh, instruments by the stewardess station, he sees... The vacant sign, he sees the ring on Eddie's fingers, he yeah, sees the shirt that he's wearing, and he's sort of just soaking up as much possible input as possible. So, uh, uh, One thing I wanted to mention there about the, the ring, like, uh, like how yeah. like he was like, oh, this is clearly like a fake thing. That's like, it's no, it, like, and, and he said, a piece of trumpery trash. Indeed. I, I had to look that up is, that, uh, I had to look up that word, I was like, trumpery, and I was like, and it basically just means like um uh falsehoods or like deceiving somebody and i was like <laughs> seems appropriate <laughs> yeah exactly we, we don't need to get into the politics of things but huh that does seem appropriate I mean, <laughs> if you've listened to us thus far you know what our politics are let's be honest come on <laughs> yeah 
Trumpery trash. <laughs> anyway. Trumpery trash. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So then, uh, like, so Gunslinger is sort of like watching everything that Eddie's doing. And then, um, yeah, this part I wanted to read. Uh, then the view did turn, not all the way around, but half. And he was looking into a mirror, seeing a face he had once seen before on a tarot card. The same dark eyes and spill of dark hair. The face was calm but pale, and in the eyes, eyes through which he he saw now reflected back at him, Roland saw some of the dread and horror of that baboon-ridden creature on the tarot card. The man was shaking. He's sick, too. Then he remembered Nort, the weed-eater and tall. He thought of the Oracle. A demon has infested him. The gunslinger suddenly thought he might know what heroin was after all. Something like the devil grass. A trifle upsetting, isn't he? So, yeah, definitely. Okay, now, yeah, I got to read this next part, too. Finish it. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Without thought, with a simple resolve, that made him the last of them all. This is a hard one. This is a hard one to get Mm. through. So go for it. I'm just saying. I had to read this paragraph three times. (laughs) So without thought, with a simple resolve, that had made him the last of them all, the last to continue marching on and on, long after Cuthbert and the others had died or given up, committed suicide or treachery, or simply recanted the whole idea of the tower, with the single-minded and incurious resolve that he had driven that had driven him across the desert and all the years before the desert, in the wake of the man in black, the gunslinger stepped through the doorway. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just so... Oh, I, I, I just love, A, that description of Roland being, like, that incurious resolve and the... Mm. Uh, the uh like making him the last of them to continue marching on and on long after Cuthbert and the others had died. So basically we know that Roland and Cuthbert started this quest for the tower together and mm-hmm. uh it seems like the Cuthbert fell along the way and now it's just Roland left. What and is this quest? What are they going for? Oh my gosh. Mm. Well is Roland about to die? Like his 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 it certainly body, seems that way, and he's now inhabiting Eddie Dean. Like correct. So that's and and then yeah, the, so, so I think the Roland part is go, starting to go away, and it just keeps saying gunslinger, 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 and Eddie Dean is going to become yeah. a gunslinger. Oh man, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Baboon is but back. Then, but then before that, oh yeah, exactly. But the monkey on his back. Before then, he basically Roland kind of puts two and two together just from like his hands shaking and the dread and the in his eyes, and he's like. This guy, first he thinks he's sick, and then he's like, oh no, this guy's got a disease. This guy is addicted to something. So he, uh, yeah, and he realizes, okay, so that must be what de- what heroin is, something like the devil grass. So yeah. yeah, Roland is like picking up on very small clues so that he can put all the pieces together. Yeah. He's like a detective, sort of. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's great. Um, Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yes. yeah, it's going back to the oracles thing and about the the, the devil has infested him. It's heroin. Oh, it's this guy. It's Eddie Dean. Mm. Exactly. So then, now once he's once the gunslinger steps through the doorway, we see things from Eddie's point of view. So I feel like it kind of uh, I don't know if symbolizes, but it basically establishes that until he walks through the door, he's only seeing what Eddie is seeing and hearing in that exact moment. But then once he walks through, he gets some more context about Eddie's life. And 
Uh, then we start to see things from Eddie's point of view, and mm-hmm. uh, we see him, like, you know, from Eddie's point of view, ordering that gin and tonic and standing up to go to the bathroom, not because he has to pee, but because he thinks he's going to throw up. And mm-hmm. sort of, like, getting a little bit more context for the things that Roland already saw. Uh, when he gets down and he can't find the elevator, Henry had told him once, you got to do it any way you can, even if it's only with a shovel. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just like that. So little now, one. yes, <laughs> exactly. So now we've got we've established. Uh, yeah, basically, Eddie and Henry are the first two names that so, so here's we my kind of get here. Yeah. Uh, uh, at first, I was like, they're brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I'm assuming is they're brothers, and they're like. Uh, I also think this guy's like a rock star or something, and like that's his brother in the band. It's like uh, interesting. It's an oasis or something. That that was my feeling huh. right away. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, I suppose. But I mean, uh, I feel like the the difference between this and Oasis is well. I won't say anything until we get uh, a little bit later. But uh, Oasis, the, the their twin jewelry brothers. got me there. Like you mm-hmm. know, Steven Tyler as like weird, flowy stuff. Like you know, this, this guy is reminding right. me of of like you know Keith Richards or something, or or Slash actually with his hair. <laughs> mm. Well. Uh, uh, I, I, I have more things to say, but I'll wait until we, we know a little bit more about Eddie Dean to say them. So, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, so right after we get that little quote from Eddie saying, uh, well, the quote from Henry, I should say, saying that, uh, you know, if what you got to get down and you can't find the elevator, you got to, even if you only use a shovel, basically saying that when you're, when you're getting the shakes, you just take whatever kind of uh, uh, input you can get, even if it's oh, uh, alcohol. Uh, oh, buddy. Oh, addiction is a tough thing. Tough thing indeed. So we know that Eddie is infested with the demon known as heroin, but immediately after we get that, we find out that, uh, but it was better to be safe going through customs with a pound of pure cocaine under each armpit with a, with gin on your breath was not so good going through customs with that way with puke drying on your pants would be a disaster. So now we know Eddie has been involved in smuggling drugs across the border. He's a a mule. I think that's what they call him. Exactly. Roland finally picks up a new mule after uh, he lost the one in Kingstown. Oh yeah. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> oh, that pure poor mule who we didn't even poor know. Poor mule that they that uh, he and Brown ate for dinner. Yeah, uh, I, so, I assume yeah. that uh, Brown ate the mule, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the I mean, desert. protein's protein. That's the, a lot of meat. The man's, yeah, the man's growing corn in his field, so he's going <laughs> to need whatever meat he can get. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So he's a mule. Okay. Phew. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So then uh, tr- the trouble was he was going cool turkey. Cool, not cold. More words of wisdom from that great sage and eminent junkie, Henry Dean. So there's where we establish that Henry is uh, Eddie's brother, or okay. at least has the same last name. Uh, well, it, and we get it, a little bit of... Uh, we get a little bit of... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say same last name, but I still wasn't sure as I was reading this. I was like, is this his father or, but then I was like, no, this is his brother. And they're talking about the fact that they're both addicted to heroin, you know? Exactly. And it's like, Oh, just do this, man. And it'll be fine. You know? Like, yeah. If you just go cool Turkey, then uh, you get just a little bit every once in a while. Yeah. It's, that's not how it works. Don't do heroin. That's not how it works. No, don't do heroin. (laughs) Or meth or. If there's there's a message for this episode, it is do not do heroin. Don't do drugs. I mean. Don't do drugs, kids. 
Yeah. Actually, I stopped smoking. Anyway, moving on. Cigarettes aren't great for you in any case. Alcohol ain't great either. So alcohol also bad. Yeah. Just (laughs) yeah. Just get high on life, kids. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. But in any case, so now we have the Is that called the straight edge. edge. You can also straight go edge, too yeah. straight edge, you know, because then it's that like, for sure. you know what? It's kind of cool to be a little bit weird, but don't be mm. too weird. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, also just handle your high. Just just keep it under control. Yeah. But don't do drugs is the main message of the episode. But in any <laughs> that, case, that is the so. theme. Of the, I, I thought it was John Malkovich's head, but it's really uh, true. Being Eddie <laughs> Dean. I like that for an episode title. Being, Being Eddie, Eddie Dean. Dean. Yeah, I think that works. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, so in any case, so we've, we get a little bit of backstory of the Dean brothers. They had been sitting on the penthouse balcony of the Regency tower, not quite on the nod, but edging toward it. The sun warm on their faces done up so good. Back in the good old days when Henry had just started to snort the stuff and when uh, when Eddie had just started to snort the stuff and Henry himself had yet to pick up his first needle. Uh, So and then they go on a little bit conversation about what cool turkey means as opposed to cold turkey, the Uh cool turkey. There's a little bit more anticipation, whereas cold turkey, you know, you're going to puke, you know, you're going to shake and sweat and whatnot. No, Uh, no, no. All capitals. No. And this is all uh, italics, too. So it's like just in his head sort of flashbacks going on. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Because we know that in the present, Eddie is still, I think he, yeah, he walked into the bathroom, but he hasn't uh, actually sat down or looked into the mirror yet. So Eddie is just remembering all this stuff. And ostensibly, I think Roland is probably kind of getting a little bit of those memories at the same time. Uh Let's see. So, yeah, so, Eddie so was then, talking. Th- then he says, Eddie remembered asking Henry. Uh, this is after the whole cold turkey, cool turkey thing. Uh, what he called it when a needle freak, which in those dim dead days, which must have been all of 16 months ago. They had both solemnly assured themselves they would never become got a hot shot. You call that baked turkey. <laughs> Henry had replied promptly and then looked surprised the way a person does when he said something that turned out to be a lot funnier than he actually thought it would be. And they looked at each other sorry, page and then they were both howling with laughter and clutching each other. Baked turkey. Pretty funny. Not so funny now. So and then uh, he's realizing he's like I'm I'm baked turkey like I I, I need this this. yeah like I'm he's going through the withdrawal and stuff you know Mm. precisely yeah so uh, and then we've got another long paragraph of italicized text of Eddie thinking in his head and uh, going on and on about the let's see the dogs with the PhD noses uh, uh, as they're strangling themselves on their choke chains trying to get at you uh, the custom guys are tossing your luggage and uh, seeing the, you know, the baggies under his armpits and whatnot and yada, yada, yada. And I, I just love that this whole section is kind of told uh, using it's Eddie's a, sort of vernacular. Yeah. And, and well, it's, it's yeah. a, a stream of consciousness in, in, in a lot yes, of ways. Like, also true. like if I wrote an, uh, a paragraph like this, dad would be like, Nick, what are you doing? 
<laughs> but it's very effective here because it's exactly. totally what's what Stephen King meant to do. You know, it's like this is a, a, an addict who's fiending, and he's like, oh, and this is gonna happen, and then this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen. Ah, and it's like amping up like the the tension the whole time. Like, and then they're gonna Precisely. catch me, and then I'm, they're gonna throw me in jail because oh, why am I doing this? Oh, I mean, that's how mm. I would feel if I had a pound. You, how much is a pound of coke? Like, how big is it? <laughs> let's I'm trying, see. I'm trying to think of it. Uh, it appears to be. Let's see. Uh, what's the 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 weight difference between a pound and a kilogram? Uh, two point two, I think. Two point two kilos in a pound, or pounds in a kilo? Uh, two point two pounds to a kilo. Kilos are more than pounds. Okay, so then, all right. So I'm looking at a kilo here, and that appears to be like roughly. Uh, one foot long by like six inches wide and like three inches deep. So oh, imagine, I guess, a little bit less than half and of that. Under so, your armpits. It, yeah. it, it could work. So this has got to be a thick <laughs> thing. Yeah. Well, if it's one pound each, under each armpit or is it a half pound under each armpit? I think he's got a mm-hmm. half pound under each armpit. He said he had a pound total on him. Right. So then that seems a little bit more doable. That seems like roughly like fist sized. And yeah. you could probably kind of like it's uh i forget what shirt it says that he's wearing yet but mm. he's definitely so you know he's not wearing de- a tight shirt yeah yeah, yeah. uh no oh, no never mind uh, mm. <laughs> that was the, the eye color <laughs> right right yeah but at the very least he's he he's definitely kind of uh, a little bit uncomfortable in his armpits but he's just freaking out because he's also going through withdrawal and everything so yeah yeah, yeah. And he's so he's going through withdrawal, and he's got a bunch of coke. So, so yes, he's indeed. going through withdrawal from heroin, but he's still cool with coke. Like I don't understand where the line gets drawn. Sometimes, well, you know? <laughs> we will find out. Yeah, because at this point, we don't know exactly who he's smuggling it from or to or anything. So, yeah, yeah, this it's true. going to be. Yeah, we'll find out later. Anyway, but, he's, he's really uh, nervous. Yeah, he's nervous. Very <laughs> nervous. So, uh, um, let's see. The sound of motors was a soft drone. He walked, he turned towards the mirror, wanting to see how bad he looked, and suddenly a pervasive feeling swept over him. A feeling of being watched. Hey, come on, quit it, he thought uneasily. You're supposed to be the most unparanoid guy in the world. That's why they sent you. That's why. And But it suddenly seemed that those were not his own eyes in the mirror. Not Eddie Dean's hazel, almost green eyes that had melted so many hearts and allowed him to part so many pretty sets of legs during the last third of his 21 years. Not his eyes, but those of a stranger. Not hazel, but a blue, the color of fading Levi's. Eyes that were chilly, precise, unexpected marvels of calibration. Bombardier's eyes. And reflected in them, he saw, clearly saw, a seagull swooping down over a breaking wave and snatching something from it. Mm. Okay, so uh, th- that's where we're talking about the eyes, and it's like he's realizing, like, oh, I'm not even myself. These are the Roland's eyes or the gunslinger. Yes, indeed. You know? Yeah. So not only is the is Roland kind of like seeing through Eddie's eyes, but also there's evidence, like, to the outside world that of Roland being there that you mm-hmm. can see Roland's eye color uh, changing from Eddie's eyes. It's sort so of it's back it's, and forth. Yeah, it's. Exactly. So it's interesting that the mechanics of this whole door and the way that it works is that not only, A, can you see what Eddie is seeing from the outside, then when you walk through the door, you are inside of Eddie and 
Roland, well, I mean, we don't see things from Roland's point of view yet, but Eddie can tell that Roland is there because he can feel the sensation of being watched. And in his own eyes, which just changed color, uh, he could see a reflection of something going on in the in Roland's beach. So it's just it's fascinating sort of the the meshing of intertwining worlds that we've got going on here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Also, we uh, learn how old Eddie Dean is. He's 21 years old. 21, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so, so is during the last just third of his Roland, 21 yeah. years, so uh, three, three, so it goes seven, seven, seven. So from 14 to 21, he's been doing heroin. Oh, right? no, I thought it was 14 to 21, he's been having sex. Oh, or having sex. Okay. That, that's yeah. what he meant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Parting so many. I, I get it. But because mm-hmm. he's like a good singer or guitar player, I don't know what he does. We'll find out. He seems to be a uh, a ladies' man. <laughs> Bit of a ladies' man and also on heroin. So far, those are... And uh, he and Eddie could somehow afford the, a uh, pel- pe- penthouse balcony on, at the Regency Hotel. So they've got some money from somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so, yes. And then, uh, clearly in his mind, in he felt a new mind inside his own mind and heard a thought not as his own thought, but more like a voice from a radio. I've come through. I'm in the sky carriage. <laughs> it was something else, but Eddie didn't hear it. He was too busy throwing up into the basin as quietly as he could. So so not only can he kind of feel Roland, but he can also hear Roland Roland's thoughts inside of his own mind. So there's some communication going on as well. Yeah. So uh, it's just... Bef- yeah. Before, before we move on... the mechanics of this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Before we move on, I, I have to go back to that previous uh, uh, paragraph. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. It's a do-do-do-do. In the half second before he did, in the half second he went on looking into the mirror, he saw those blue eyes disappear. Before that happened, there was suddenly the feeling of being two people, of being possessed. Like the little girl in The Exorcist. So that was the moment I was like, oh, wait, what year did this come out? It must come out after The Exorcist. And I think The Exorcist was like mm. 75 or something. Um, 1973. 73. That was close. Um, but anyway, it's just like getting my um, sensibilities stuck in the right uh, timeline of like where we are. True. You know, there, there's airplanes, there's potentially rock stars and uh, the exorcist has happened exorcist <laughs> reference yeah yeah so definitely eddie is clearly in our world yeah he mentions port authority he mentions uh, uh i picked up a little cold in the bahamas so it seems like he came from the bahamas mm-hmm. uh let's see yada 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 uh and then talking about how uh, a voice on the radio so uh, talk about customs in New York uh, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just uh, from being in Roland's world where it was just guns and the desert and no pop culture references at all until we meet Jake to all of a sudden we meet this guy, Eddie, and it's just pop culture references popping off all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, cool. Now we're in, like, in our time and I can kind of understand this. There's planes and stewardesses. Precisely. Yeah, 1980s uh, America. So <laughs> they're probably oh, yeah, smoking on the plane too. Like a lot, very likely, yeah. <laughs> that that always confused me. I was like, why would you smoke in a <laughs> vessel? In a self-contained pressurized <laughs> vessel, yeah. 
Oh, gosh. Uh, the, they must have smelled so bad. That's the thing we did at the time. We wore an onion on our belt, you know? Hey. My God. <laughs> it was the style at the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so Eddie's throwing up. He's not doing good. Eddie's throwing up. <laughs> not doing good. And he's yeah. like, what the hell is this shit? Uh, so, oh, no. Before, uh, let's see. Before he'd even wiped his mouth, something which had never happened to him before, uh, for one frightening moment, there was nothing. Only a blank interval, as if a single line of newsprint column had been neatly and completely inked out. Oh, I like... What the hell is this shit? Oh, keep yeah. going. Just, 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 just that it. image, yeah. <coughs> sure. Then he had to throw up again, which maybe was just as well. Whatever you could say against it, regurgitation had at least this much in its favor. As long as you were doing it, you couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, my yeah. gosh. Uh, hey, um, hmm. I have some gastrointestinal issues sometimes. I think there's like an ulcer. I I had my gallbladder taken out and stuff. And uh, so I throw up from time to time. And Mm. I can totally understand this. It's like the whole world goes away when you're regurgitating. Like, oh, my gosh. And and so like the way you said, as if a single line in a column of newsprint had been neatly and completely inked out. It's like that moment in my life didn't happen and I, I i wasn't even thinking about anything else i was just thinking about oh i am puking right now and it's not good <laughs> well anyway i don't think that that black column of newsprint is the point where he's throwing up it's a i oh, think that happens right in between the two times he throws up or is it saying that um that roland's taken over his body at that moment i get it yes. now okay Exactly. So he doesn't have so, control in that moment. He's like, whoa, that was, those weird eyes that look like Levi's, that, that they weren't mine. And, huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so now in the next section, we're back in Roland's point of view. And when he thinks those thoughts that he heard, I've come through. I'm in the sky carriage, the gunslinger thought. And a second later, he sees me in the mirror. Roland pulled back, did not leave, but pulled back like a child retreating to the furthest corner of a long, dark room. He was inside the sky carriage. He was also inside a man who was not himself, inside the prisoner. In that first moment, when he had been close to the front, which it was the only way he could describe it, he had been more than inside. He had almost been the man. He felt the man's illness, whatever it was, and sensed that the man was about to retch. Roland understood that if he needed to, he could take control of this man's body. He could suffer his pains, would be ridden by whatever demon ape rode him, but he needed to if but if he needed to, he could. Or he could stay back here unnoticed. So Roland is I feel I love just the the scientific way that he's like, okay, what are the limits of this? What what can I do here? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah. When I move forward, <laughs> Eddie can see my eyes in the mirror. But when I move slightly backward and have a little bit less control, nobody knows I'm here. So yeah. it's like <laughs> but when I move forward, I can move Eddie's body. Uh, uh, for, for those of you at home, Kevin and I are on a Zoom call and we just keep moving back and <laughs> near exactly. far. Near far. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Grover. Yay. Grover. Love it. (laughs) 
I was talking about Schlemiel's and Schlemazel's, and, and I think Grover exactly. was the perfect <laughs> comparison to that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. M- my mind always goes to Muppet comparisons when uh, you were uh, yeah, you described yourself as a Schlemiel, or is it a Schlemazel? I could never tell which. And I was like, so Schlemiel is the guy who spills the soup on, on somebody at a fancy party, and the Schlemazel is the one the soup is spilled upon. Yeah, so yeah. Grover He's- is the Schlemiel, and the blue Muppet with the the mustache, whose whose name is apparently Mister Johnson, I, I never knew. Oh, is it? Uh, right. ter- yeah, Teresa <laughs> gave me that one. Uh, uh, and she, God yeah, bless Teresa. Yeah, God bless Teresa. <laughs> yeah, Mister uh, Mister Johnson is the schlamazel, the yeah. indignant one who gets the soup spilled upon him. Or this is ridiculous. Has his order done wrong and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a funny Sesame Street thing. <laughs> it's just oh, a basic it, like yeah. comedy trope of like the bumbling waiter. <laughs> yeah, going back to like uh, Laurel and Hardy and those like silent film guys. The yeah. there's always the yeah the skinny goofy guy and the fat irate guy, and that always <laughs> seems to be the the trope. Yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling Spike Jones probably did something like that too. Could have been. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I need to do more research on that. But anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. When the prisoner's fit of vomiting had passed, the gunslinger leaped forward, this time all the way to the front. He understood very little about this strange situation, and to act in a situation one does not understand is to invite the most terrible consequences. But there were two things he needed to know, and he needed to know them so desperately that the needing outweighed any consequences which might arise. Was the door he had come through from his own world still there? That's number one. <laughs> and uh-huh. if it was, was his physical self still there, collapsed, untent- untenanted, perhaps dying or already dead without his self-self to go on, unthinkingly running lungs and heart and nerves? And nerves? Even his body still lived. It might only continue to do so until night fell. Then the lobstrosities would come out to ask their questions and look for shore dinners. Uh, he snapped the head, which for the moment his head, around in a fast backward glance. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I don't want to read everything, Kevin. It's, you know, true. I mean, I, well, I do want to read everything. The door is still there. Yes, <laughs> the door is still there, and we're st- and we were talking about this before that like. Um, is his body still there? Is he like leaving his body? Is his body dying? Mm. And now he, he doesn't have his guns. It doesn't matter. His two fingers are missing. Now he's Eddie Dean and he's just become True. a new person. It, would you say he's a Manny holy man going through the, the doors? Uh, or no? uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think he, he found one of the things that the Manny would use or create but I feel like he doesn't have the same sort of uh, ceremony and whatnot uh, that the man he would have. Yeah. Okay. But he found a door. And exactly. Basically, I, Roland Roland is the equivalent of, like, say, if a Manny holy man was like a Native American who is using, um, what is that stuff? Mescaline or what? what's the, not mescaline, but the, uh, the natural thing. Peyote, exactly. Yeah. And Roland would be the equivalent of just some guy getting high on peyote. Okay. Huh. So, yeah. So Roland has found the, the mystical thing, but he doesn't have the, the context of it that the Manny Holy Men do. Roland is culturally appropriating these doors, in a way. <laughs> okay. Oh, I see. All right. That makes sense. I, I get it now. That that It's like... Yeah. <laughs> um. 
But the thing I do want to mention here is that Roland is mentioned. Um, it says, uh, the door was still there, still behind him. It stood open on his own world. It's hinges buried in the steel of this peculiar privy. And yes, mm. there he lay, Roland, the last gunslinger, lying on his side, his bound right hand on his stomach. I'm breathing, Roland thought. I'll have to go back and move me. But there are things to do first. Things. He let go of the prisoner's mind and retreated, watching, waiting to see if the prisoner knew if he was there or not. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's what happens in that period of just blankness of Eddie's mind when he just, uh, like, blanks out for a second. Uh, It was when Roland was taking over his mind, turning back to look at his own door, and then looking at himself. Oh, I understand now. Okay, so that's kind of simultaneous, the last two sections that we read. Huh. Precisely. Um, And I think this is... I wonder if this is the last time we'll see the name Roland, or I'm sure we'll see it again. Or is he now Eddie? Roland has become Eddie. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. This is how I mm. feel as a, a skeptical reader who's only gone so far. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the. Okay, so uh, now we go back into section four. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, do yeah. you want to read that? Sure. So, Eddie's kind of like thinking it through, like, blank there for a second. Didn't know what I was. Did I look around? So, like, his subconscious mind kind of knows what he did, and he's like, did I do that? But his conscious mind just sort of had a moment of just, there was an edit point, and he just sort of skips forward. He's like, wait a minute, I'm not where I was a second ago. Uh, (laughs) A momentary lapse of reason, uh, as Pink Floyd called it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then uh, he looked up into the mirror again. His own eyes looked back at him. There were no alien voices in his head. No feeling of being watched. You had a momentary fugue, Eddie. The great sage and eminent junkie advised him, a not uncommon phenomenon and one who is going cool turkey. Uh, Eddie glanced at his watch, an hour and a half to New York. The plane was scheduled to land at 4.05 EDT, but it was really going to be high noon, showdown time. Uh, He went back to his seat, his drink was on the divider, and the stew came back to ask if if she could do anything else for him. He opened his mouth to say no, and then there was another of those blank moments. Uh. So... And so then Roland comes back. Roland comes back. I love that there's a little section break every time in between Roland and Eddie sort of having control of Eddie's body. It's really cool. It's like, I, I'm really understanding. Oh, fugue. I looked up fugue. Kevin, mm. what does is, what is fugue mean to you? Basically, from my Stephen King understanding of the word, he, he's used it a few separate times. Uh, it's more or less a point where you kind of dissociate from yourself and your own body and... Your conscious mind kind of forgets the things that are happening, but your body can sort of work on autopilot and it's doing things without you being aware of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first thing I thought when I saw okay. Fugue was music. Kata and Fugue by, uh, by Johann Bach. Bach. Yeah, Johann Sebastian Bach. And it's like music coming together from like different parts. And it's very mathematical and wonderful. I, in my AP uh, calculus class, we read this book called Gertel Escher and Bach. And it was uh, mm. uh, a lot of talk on fugues and stuff. And, and that's mm. why I, I was reading this. I was like, fugue? What? But then, the, so the first definition in Merriam-Webster says, a musical composition in which one of two themes are repeated or imitated by successfully entering voices or contrapunt 
Actually, that's a different word. Developed in a continuous interweaving of the voice parts. So, mm. <laughs> so it's two voices coming together in a different way is the musical reason. Um, that's the definition. I'm sorry. Or um, that does sound uh, appropriate for what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. So the second definition, according to Mr. Merriam-Webster, uh, a disturbed state of consciousness in which the one affected seems to perform acts in full awareness, but upon recovery cannot re- recollect the acts performed. So it's like, mm. I, I did something, but I don't remember what I did. It's like something took over my body. And that's what's interesting, exactly yeah. what happened here. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. That's why he yeah, used that it's word. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, the Webster de- definition kind of has a, an external point of view, whereas mine uh, had a little bit more of an internal point of view from, mm-hmm. uh, from that. Yeah. I just like to read the dic- dictionary definition of words sometimes. And it's like, yes, oh, that, that's... Yeah, it's always good to, to double check. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, that's totally what we thought. So, great. Yeah. A fugue. <laughs> Momentary fugue, and it's exactly what's happening. State. Mm. Yeah, he just wants food now at this point, but mm-hmm. he's speaking. Okay, so this will be the last section we do, right? Yeah, this is our last section for today. Cool. So our last uh, section five. Um, you know, let's see. It's real short. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's really just all dialogue, mostly. Yeah. <sighs> I'd like something to eat, please. The gunslinger said through Eddie Dean's mouth. We'll be serving a hot snack and I'm really starving though. The gunslinger said with perfect truthfulness. Anything at all. Even a popkin. Popkin? The army woman frowned at him <laughs> and the gunslinger suddenly looked into the prisoner's mind. Sandwich. The word was as distant as the murmur in a conch shell. A sandwich even. The gunslinger said. The army, the army woman looked doubtful. Well... I have some tuna fish. That would be fine, the gunslinger said, although he had never heard of Tudor fish in his life. Beggars could not be choosers. You do look a little pale, the army woman said. I thought maybe it was an air sickness? Pure hunger. She gave him a professional smile. I'll see what I can rustle up. Rustle? The gunslinger thought dazedly. In his own world, to rustle was a slang verb meaning to take a woman by force. Never mind. Food would come. He had no idea if he could carry it back through the doorway to the body which needed it so badly. But one thing at a time. One thing at a time. (laughs) Rustle, he thought, and Eddie Dean's head shook as if in disbelief. Then the gunslinger retreated again. Mm. <laughs> I like that old part. Tudor fish. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Tudor fish popkin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, popkin. Oh, my gosh. True. But I, I love that, like, basically in the first book, we kind of establish the gunslinger as all of these tropes that we're already aware of. And there's little bits of this sort of fantasy setting here and there. And then there's a little bit of sci-fi and the, uh, what was it? The, um... The little train uh, push carts that had a voice and the 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 pump that was uh, on some sort of atomic slug and whatnot. Yeah. He's but a then, man out of time. A man out of time, yes. Yeah. But here we establish that he, even though he can understand English and everything, but there are definitely some words that aren't quite the same in, uh, between the two uh, sides of the door. Uh, <laughs> well, isn't, like, that, isn't that something we all struggle with every day? That there's like people who have like a whole 
culture that we don't know. You know, they, they use words we don't know. They use language we don't know. And like, mm. to me, that makes it really, you know, exciting to live life and, and learn other people's points of view and stuff. So I, I think that's very, very a true. little bit it, like it doesn't have to be about time because there's people living in the same time as us right now. But on the other side of the planet, we're living a different life than us completely. Yes, know? definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the And then let's see. So we've got a little bit of language changes. And also Russell means something totally different to Roland than it does to the stewardess. So uh, <laughs> he's like, whoa, yeah, so. you're going to you're gonna rape me some sandwiches. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah. anyway, food's coming. I don't know what, how you're going to get it on this. <laughs> what, what does he call it? A, a, a air carriage? Uh, air carriage, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Roland is a little bit confused about this world thus far. So, and then uh, the Roland, then the gunslinger retreated again. So he's kind of, he came all the way forward just to, because Roland's like, no, no, I'm hungry. So, so, so the door, I don't know, I forget if we talked about it last week, but like this, it's a portal in time, basically. There's, there's right. little like time portals going on. Time and or, space, or, yeah. Or into multiverses, like it could be the same also time, true. you know? Oh my mm. gosh, I, I broke my kids' brains with the strength theory and it was just like, yeah, I, I don't understand. Nobody understands it. <laughs> mm. Well, hopefully Max Planck did, but other than him. Well, but, but like, uh, inventor. Can, can, can we prove it? Yes, Max oh, no. Planck. P- yes. P-L-A-N-C-K, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. I like to spell you know things correctly. Do you know where I first heard of uh, string theory? Uh, it's probably, it might be the same place as you. or something? Uh. <laughs> nope. Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because there was uh, the Lee Harvey Oswald episode where they sort of like how usually Sam can always sort of keep his own mind when whoever's body he leaps into, which is also relevant to this oh, episode. Here why we haven't we talked yeah. about Quantum Leap yet? I went to Quantum being John Leap. Malkovich, but not Quantum Leap. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> because exactly uh, in Quantum Leap, he leaps through various bodies and there's actually a reboot now that's on Peacock with a, a new set of a new cast and all. But, oh, that, uh, Kevin, that's oh, you're you're always better than me. Uh, that is a much better analogy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's both because yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, what is it with being John Malkovich, it has the going forward and retreating back aspect, uh, whereas Quantum Leap, Sam is just immediately in control. And the other guy, his mind is transported back into Sam's body. So the so the uh, quantum leap isn't a, a full comparison so i feel like uh being john malkovich might be a little bit closer but as far as the you know uh leaping into an, a different time and place and into a brand new person's body there it's uh quantum leap because totally. and also one of the the mechanics of the show was that what uh sam would uh, would appear to be himself in whoever's body and he, he looks in a mirror and he's until like, oh. he looks into a mirror exactly mm. which is sort of and the opposite of exactly this. what yeah. happened here oh oh exactly no no that's exactly what happened here because he well at least just the eyes um so the rest in, of, in the, the eyes, of his body. yeah, the rest of his body stays the same, yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the, uh, the eyes is the first time that Roland could see himself in Eddie Dean. Uh, was, that was the opposite part that I meant. A lot of different sort of, like, sci-fi body-swapping, uh, like, uh, references throughout that uh, came to mind, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I mean, all artists and writers and songwriters are influenced by other things. So, like... Hmm. It, it are, are like 
it makes me think sometimes, like, oh, are they like plagiarizing this? You know, and uh, when, when, and and I don't think that's the right word at no. all um, right now. I feel like it's it. Yeah, I feel like it's enough of a common concept that I feel like it's just sort of out there, like you know, time travel or teleportation yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. Go make a story yeah. about it. Cool. Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. this is just like back to the future or this is just like dark tower or this is just like uh the time machine by hg wells you know like Hmm. it's just a trope that happens right is that hg wells is that correct hg wells was the time machine correct yeah yeah yeah. um oh can i go back to something real quick before we we finish up um eddie glanced at his watch Mm -hmm. that little section um an hour and a half to new york the plane was scheduled to land at 405 edt it was really going to be high noon showdown time. Exactly. So, <laughs> Eddie's got sort of a cowboy mindset, too. He, there's a little bit of a gunslinger inside of Eddie Dean. In yeah. his mind without Roland taking over or the gunslinger taking Precisely, over. Precisely, yeah. Eddie, yeah, Eddie's got his own set of, like, man with no name kind of uh, associations, too, yeah. Showdown time. Well, his showdown sure. is with the U.S. Customs. Coming into Wait. New York, probably JFK or where, wherever, maybe LaGuardia. Mm. I don't know. Um, we'll see. Uh, but it also said EDT. So th- that got me thinking about something because it means it's Eastern Daylight Time rather than Eastern uh, Savings Time. So that means that it is what part of the year? It's a six month. I forget when they go to Daylight to Savings. <laughs> I know this is a very pedantic thing to look at. At least we know let's what see. time is like is it fall? No. Uh let's see. So Eastern Daylight Time is one hour ahead of the time when it is on standard time, not savings time. So daylight time I think starts in October and goes till spring or whatever. Is that right? No, no, no. I think it's the opposite. It oh, it's the other starts time? In, it, yeah, it starts in March and it ends in uh, November. Okay, so the savings time is the the fall. Yeah. Okay. Spring and summer and fall, yeah. Which is stupid. This whole... Yeah. <laughs> Can we stop using this? Can we also- it doesn't make any sense. In a global world that we live yeah. in nowadays, yeah. You know, we, just, uh, we live in a different time than the rest of the world. It's strange. Well, you're three hours ahead of me. Months. Yeah. Like, I understand, like, uh, time zones. That that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're keeping in sync with the, the way sunset, sunrise yeah. and sunsets, sure. Yeah. To me right now, it's 1230. To you, it's 330, you know? Well, Correct, yeah. 337. Uh. <laughs> Time's a construct, man. Exactly. We're just, what, measuring, we're just measuring how the sun hits the earth. <laughs> We're doing our best. And how the sun hits our portion of the Earth, yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's different in different places. And how many revolutions around the sun our planet goes. So time is a factor of distance in Uh, reality. If you you go to Mars, you know, the the revolutions take a lot longer and your rotations are different. Wasn't I talking about how uh, Venus is very interesting in, in that, I think it's Venus or is it Mercury? One of them is Uranus. The one that uh, wrote, the one that uh, goes backwards. Oh, Uranus. Yeah, it rotates um, vertically. But anyway, I, mm-hmm. what I was going to say is, I think it's Venus uh, that, that has a longer day than it does a year. Oh no, I think that's Mercury. Is it Mercury? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's like the time it takes it to go around the sun is actually shorter than it takes for it to rotate. Right. So, yes. Yeah. My lord. I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for orbital period sidereal. And just tell me how many days there are in a year, how many years there are in a day. <laughs> it's so hard to look things up. You're like, ah, what, what is this ad for? No, not the Mercury car. Uh, that's, that's a <laughs> company that's defunct. Uh, and, and what's the periodic symbol for Mercury, Kevin? Uh, HG. Yes, nailed it. Hmm. Uh, do you know about was, uh, uh, Quicksilver? Yeah, Hydro something. Hydrogarum, yeah. I want to say. Mm, hydro, hydro, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that that is correct. Uh, it's mm. always trivia here. At, I was going to say Nick and Liz quiz. <laughs> Chapter Brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so the, so the year is 88 Earth days, but its day to make a full rotation is 59. So it's very close, but yeah. so maybe it's maybe I was wrong. Maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe it is Venus. Um, let's see. Yes, exactly. So a day on Venus lasts two hundred and forty three Earth days, but it rotate it orbits the sun faster. So a year on Venus is two hundred and twenty five Earth days, making a Venusian day longer than its year by mm-hmm. a fraction. So yeah. it's just just a fascinating. It, like I feel it, like it's they also wouldn't even have the than same Mercury. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's the <laughs> greenhouse effect for you. Yeah, a lot of CO2. That lots and lots, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, because, and also, since Venus has such a light atmosphere, it's, uh, like, basically, the on it, at the daytime, it's, like, boilingly, horrifyingly hot, but then at the nighttime, it's arctically cooled, so it doesn't hold on to any of that heat, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why did we get on planets? Uh, I was talking about, oh, it, Daylight time, just time in general. Daylight time, which, exactly. which which is what this whole series is about, I think. In a way, the dark tower, time, yeah. somewhat. You know, size. I feel like the size gunslinger. Size. <laughs> but time is a, as we said, time is a factor of distance that we measure our days and years based on where we are in relation to the sun. So, so therefore, so what, maybe. Yeah, maybe size is the the greater like you, in order if you understand size, you can change time. So what I was going to say is it's it's really about physics in general. Like, physics, exactly. Yeah, right. And that's that's what I'm teaching this year. Wonderful. Nice. This, this matches up perfectly because we're going to have a lot of talks about this kind of stuff. Precisely. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I, I did that scale of the universe thing for the kids the other day, and like, oh, nice! Yeah, this one, that. this one student who's kind of like you know keeps to himself, whatever. Um, I just looked at him on his Chromebook, and he was looking at the thing that I looked up, and I was like, cool, I've reached. Him. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a really cool diagram too, it's as you're fun. going from one side well, to the they, other. They, yeah, they actually updated it. Ooh, yeah, because. Nice. Uh, like I said, the, the James Webb Telescope has made us realize things that we thought were true. And we're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, like what? Well, things are bigger than we thought. And um, time and the Big Bang is like being, you know, updated. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. We can now look further. And there's other galaxies. Oh, my gosh. Kevin, we're so small. Oh, totally. <laughs> it hurts yeah. my brain and it makes me like, and all I can do is like control what I can control right now. I'm going to do my laundry right now. Yes. That's my plan. 
<laughs> what are you going to do, Kevin? <laughs> uh, probably edit the next episode, I think. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I definitely I have to do some laundry as well. That. I've run out of okay. pants. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is how we, we've got it set up so that I do the editing, you do you do the posting and the, the Facebook and all that, and uh, <laughs> you know we we we've got uh, our two separate sides of it. Yeah, exactly. You, uh, but you, I'm not yeah. going to think about things that are light years away because that, that's just too much. I can only think mm. of the things that I can touch and feel, and, and actually, I'm going to eat some food first. You know, that's a good call. Yeah, yeah we just had pancakes. Yeah. But right. uh, whenever I get like when I, but whenever I get overwhelmed by thoughts of like how tiny in the galactic scale that we are, I always kind of balance that out by how enormous I am in the microscopic scale. Okay, then there's that. Yeah, You're like uh, bacteria. I'm better than you. <laughs> are <laughs> well, we, not even are we better, but them. just sort of like we live symbiotically we do 100%. with them in our gut. Yeah. Yeah, and so therefore, if we are symbiotic upon the bacteria, then maybe the universe is symbiotic upon us. Ooh! And, wow. I mean, in to some degree, the the planet has been irrevocably harmed by humans, but maybe we'll we'll bounce back. Maybe things will figure mm. itself out, and we can sort of heal this planet that we've done so much dam- damage to. So much. Uh, I, I feel like the damage has already been done, but uh, maybe we can save it. But the problem is, I hope so. Uh, there's there's lots of problems. We don't lots have enough time to get into that right now. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, we, we shouldn't start this topic when, when we're right at the end of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> let's end on a happier note. <laughs> if if you do want that, that's a very um, depressing class that I I like to turn into like a it is a bit bleak. Yeah, but um, and the kids are just like get depressed every day when I'm teaching it to them. But I try to turn it into like this is what we can do to change things, you know? Like, yes, this stuff happened. Let's learn about our mistakes and try to fix the future, you know? Yes. Know. We need to affect change on a gl- on a global scale, starting with the corporations that are polluting and the all of the, you know, corporate cutbacks that there are and being able to sort of basically our tax dollars are supporting all of those corporations that are being given to these billionaires who are have no sense of uh, any kind of shit. accountability whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so basically uh-huh. there just needs to be a whole like entirely different sort of I think like that was our first curse of the episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we, we've got to earn that explicit tag every week because we're just going to keep it up just by uh, by, by habit. So might as well uh, get what we paid for. <laughs> oh, do you, I don't think we have to pay for it. Oh, do we? I don't even know how this works. Uh, we're figuring no, out. No, no, no. I meant just in terms of the kind of we put it out there. So it might as well, uh, you know, be true. So <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Anyway, I love, so I love Roland talking is to inside brother. of Eddie Dean's body. Yes. I love you talking to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the, the whole crux of this episode that we just spent an hour and 20 minutes talking about is Roland has figured out a way to get into Eddie Dean's body. And Roland died on the, the sand and left his guns well, he, behind? No, he, he, le- he did leave his guns. He left his whole body behind. So okay. Roland oh turned around and he saw his own body still breathing still definitely alive so clearly his medulla oblongata is still functioning so it's controlling all of the uh the sort of subconscious basic functions oh okay so it's sort of like dr strange with the whole uh uh, astral projection kind of thing exactly yeah the last jedi where luke projects his body across to another uh onto another planet yeah oh wow cool 
All right. Mm. Anyway, I want to keep reading. Indeed. Uh, Kevin, what yep, should so I read up to next time? I think we could read all the way to the end of the chapter. Okay, cool. Because we've been doing a little bit more. We've been, we've been trying to hold back from reading every single paragraph this t- uh, on uh, the drawing of the three. So I feel like we could go all the way to the end of chapter two. Cool. There, there's an illustration on the next page. Ooh, what is it? <laughs> Let me see. You want to see? Yes. Oh, nice. So we've got, uh, let's see, Roland with one hand bandaged, and the other hand is, what is it doing? He's on his gun, or? Oh, actually, I think I I could post this one. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. When we get to it, because it's not, Mm -hmm. spoiler, it's it's something that happened before. Yeah, it's it's Roland with with one hand bandaged and uh, reaching into his pocket on the beach. Mm. So. Gotcha. A amputated Roland. His poor fingers. Mm, indeed. Yeah, Roland is, he is uh, half the gunslinger he once was. I'm half the man I used to be. There you go. You can't have a Chapter Brothers episode without a little bit of singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be some singing. Sorry. I do karaoke a lot. So, so anyway, um, you could check us out on uh, Facebook and uh, Spotify and... Oh, all the other things. Apple True. music. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're called, we're you, called you Chapter can Brothers. The, we Chapter say, Brothers. Say yes. that more often. We're called Chapter Correct. Brothers. Hi. Hi. Chapter Brothers. <laughs> yes. So you can uh, reach us on social media on Chapter Brothers on Facebook, and you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Music and uh, all, the, all the other places where you can find podcasts and tell your friends to listen to us if they're interested in deep dive uh, literary analyses of uh, various books. So clearly, we're starting with Stephen King, but someday, someday I will get my Silmarillion. Yes, you will get your Silmarillion, but we got to finish this uh, series first. Um, so anyway, Kevin, until then, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. I love you, brother. I love you, too.